morning, everyone. I usually just say morning, and I don't say good morning, but I'll say good morning this morning. This is the day the Lord has made, right? I'm not a morning person, but this isn't too bad. So I, I know that sounds bad, but just a confession. So you might not feel comfortable doing this, but if you do, because today we're going to talk about a psalm that maybe everyone is, has actually heard or read. It's the kind of um, scripture passage You'll see it on TV, on shows, because it's often used when someone's passed. And uh, it's a, maybe the, it's the first one I, I memorized, I think, as a child. Maybe, maybe many of you have as well. The, the question is, have you, have you read or heard Psalm 23 at least once? Just nod your head or whatever. You can, and you don't have to, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. If you haven't read it, hey, you're going to get to say it in a moment and actually read it and hear about it. Um, how, how many maybe have, have read it 50 or heard it, read it 50 times? or 20, 10, like whatever, a lot, yeah. It's a very familiar passage. Um, I've been doing familiar passages because often we lose sight of what they're actually saying because we're, they're so familiar. Almost, you know, that, that phrase, familiarity, breeds like kind of contempt, like you're like, uh, it's just, I just know what this says. And actually, you might have come here and said, oh, he's preaching on Psalm 23, I already know what he's going to say. Maybe not, maybe, but I, there's more to it than meets the eye. And so before I get uh, speaking here, maybe we can, we can uh, say it together, if, or, or at least under your breath, or, or if you want to say it with me, our version will probably be the same, but we'll say it out loud, or I will. I'm, I'm using, right now, my, my, um, this app is using ESV. Does that make sense? You don't have to find it if you want. I mean, it's, it's fine. So, and I will, and, and actually, there are many great versions of, of this, this passage, and whichever one you learn it in is, 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 is amazing. So I'm going to say it now, and, uh, and uh, read it, say it, and if you, if you want to say it through your breath, out loud, with me, whatever, we'll, we'll try it. Let's do that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can see why people will often cite this when they're needing comfort. It's a very comforting passage, and that's why as it's so familiar, sometimes we forget that these passages can have so much power for our whole lives. We know all scriptures God breathe. We know scripture's powerful, but some scriptures we go to more than others, or when we need certain things, Jesus has provided them for us. God has provided them. Let me pray, and then I'll continue. Lord Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, we worship you. We thank you for, for worshiping you together in song. And now we worship you in your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's our hope. It's our need. It's, it's what makes life comprehensible at some level with so many challenges and troubles because you put light on us and you show us the way. And so thank you for that. And thank you for being a lamp to our feet. 
Show us today in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Doug. Was I ta- did you hear what I said earlier? Was I actually loud enough, or, or did I have, do I have to say it all again? I'm just kidding. I think I saw people's heads nodding. I think you did. Many of you had even said maybe you've, you've read, the, read or heard this passage a hundred times, maybe, maybe more. I, I started thinking myself, how many times have I worked in this passage? But it's been percolating in my heart for quite a while. And I'm, and I'm, even, I'm considering working on some reflections and maybe, uh, maybe in a booklet or something along the way eventually, if it works out that way, because it's just having so much effect on me again after many years. This familiarity with this passage might make us miss a powerful message so full of riches, simple yet profound. We could say with Paul to this text, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, of our good shepherd. It gives all the basics we need for spiritual formation, for all of future life, for our complete walk as a person, if you're, if you're looking for the path or if you are on the path. God the shepherd provides rest and guidance. You see the outline of this text Straightforward, but so much is there. Verse 2 and 3. Protection, God provides. Food, verse 5. And fellowship with God in verse 6b. In light of what we know in the New Testament, Jesus fills in so much more. It evokes thought even today. But for us, we're likely removed from being with shepherds. Maybe some of you have. Or sheep. What comes to mind for me is I read a book a while ago that's not a bad book for leaders. It's called They Smell Like Sheep. It's maybe not very um, flattering, but it's, it was actually a good book for the, the leaders in our church. We read it. Um, and, and we are sheep. The leaders are also sheep, so we all smell like sheep <laughs> um, to Jesus. So we hear, we hear the word shepherd, but don't miss it in this passage. Yahweh is my shepherd. Say that again. Both parts, Yahweh, God is my shepherd. The God who is infinite, eternal, unchangeable, the one we sang about this morning, is my shepherd. As David says, his shepherd, but also we can say that ourselves if he's our shepherd. Notice how personal this is. It's even more close to home, linking the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, displaying so much about God. There is a rich background to help us dig deeper. The word, the name shepherd has always been used of Jesus, but it was used a lot more in earlier times. It seems to have fallen a little bit out, unless we're reading a passage on it. But there's such a long background of using and calling Jesus our shepherd. There's a rich background. And knowing about sheep and shepherds, helps us to get a sense with the, famili- the unfamiliarity thing, the unfamiliar things in the passage. There's a book that's a, fa- a book I got from our secretary when I was in seminary and, and um, about the shepherd, W.P. Keller, uh, reflections, and he's a shepherd, or he did that work for a while, some very fascinating things about sheep. Anyone here know a lot about sheep? Not usually when I look around and ask, and that's okay, because it'll help us to dig deeper into this passage. It actually links the whole biblical story. As one scholar says, shepherds symbolize Israel. From the beginning, Israel was a nation of shepherds. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob cared for flocks of sheep and goats. Pharaoh finds them as shepherds, repellent to the Egyptians. They were repellent as shepherds. It was beneath them. Moses and David were literal shepherds. Moses appointed Joshua to shepherd Israel to the promised land. And Israel's prophets regularly portrayed kings as shepherds. According to Isaiah, Israel will be led out of exile by a gentle shepherd king, Cyrus, and was. Many of Israel's shepherds ignored and viciously attacked God's flock, Yahweh's flock. Like Ahab, if you know that story, the king. They were a sheep without a shepherd. Israel's prophets regularly denounced the shepherds like Ezekiel, saying that you eat your flocks. You treat them with so much contempt and evil. Shepherds are supposed to strengthen, heal, and bind up the weak and sick, but instead they dominate them and they prey on them. Yahweh, Ezekiel prophesies later in the the Old Testament, isn't going to tolerate this abuse. He takes his stand against the bad shepherds to deliver the sheep from the mouth of predatory kings and leaders. And he promises to shepherd Judah personally. Yahweh himself will care for his sheep, feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams, lead them to good pasture so they can graze on mountain heights. And Yahweh, God, promises to set a new David over them as a shepherd to feed and lead the flock of God. Jesus is the good shepherd of Ezekiel's prophecy. He's Yahweh and David united without separation, without confusion in one shepherd. And he both attacks the bad shepherds of first century Israel and he gathers the lost flock, which now includes many who are not of the fold of Israel, including us. So shepherds have a big role in the biblical story of the kingdom. Thus, in this psalm, we can look forward to the one who calls himself the good shepherd. We hear the echo as we go through the passage. One thing struck me that I had never noticed. Why does Jesus even have to call himself the good shepherd? Isn't shepherd enough? Are shepherds bad? This prior background I just read helps us see there were were many bad shepherds and leaders. Jesus seems to be elevating a role that was shunned in his day. Like the shepherds get to hear of Jesus first, but they were, they, were not a, they were not part of the community accepted. They had forgotten they were a nation of shepherds, shepherd leaders and kings from Abraham to Moses and David who wrote this psalm. And all people are in God's image, including shepherds. But there were bad shepherds, so thus, I guess, good shepherd. I'm digging more into that. It's interesting because he could have said, I am the shepherd. But he says, good shepherd. With this in mind, linking the psalm to Jesus, first, there's five points, okay, just so you know. But I'll move through them, just right through the psalm, weaving in the psalm in each part. First, the psalm shows that Yahweh, Jesus, is, Jesus the good shepherd is powerful. We see this in verse 1. The key to the psalm is that Yahweh does all the things following in the psalm. Yahweh as shepherd points forward to Jesus. All those attributes we see in Jesus that we know later to be that he's fully God, that he's the Son of God, they are his as he is already one with the Spirit and the Father, as we 
learn about him later. He's, while he's fully human, he shows his wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth all his life. Yahweh is my shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. He, another term that we don't use very often, but he's the wisest philosopher. He loves He's the deepest lover of all wisdom. He's the way of ultimate reality beyond us. He's the truth beyond all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's the life. He's the source of all ethics. Jesus is our good shepherd. Actually, the early cave paintings had Jesus dressed in recognizable philosopher's garb, believe it or not. Yet he's a shepherd as well, a prominent term in the early church, and maybe one we should bring back more to our front knowledge because God has called, was called Israel's shepherd. There's no glamour in that role, but so needed for the sheep to survive all the dangers and their helplessness applies to us. I don't know if you think of yourself as a sheep, but this psalm leads us to think of that again. As it says also in the psalm, I will lack Nothing. That's not a pronouncement of claiming vast riches, although being, being in Jesus is a vastly rich thing. But our needs are met. What a statement. And in the middle of taking care of sheep in all the dangers, David is saying, God, Jesus, in future, Yahweh is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. That is a huge statement in our day and age. In our day and age. Shepherds in the New Testament were the lowest of low, unclean, and yet he identifies with them and takes on a role where we see power and weakness, a lowly position that has been lost in its importance. And with him we lack no thing. We lack no thing. Imagine the crowd's response. Jesus doesn't call himself king at that point, but he says, I'm the good shepherd. He's the sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God, as we sang, the greatest high priest. Listen to what Michael Card says in all of time. No one had ever heard. And to the world, the thought seems so absurd. Beyond their wildest dreams, no one could ever tell of a high priest who would sacrifice himself. He lays on the altar. So the powerful one, Jesus also is the sacrifice. Yahweh, Jesus, is our good shepherd. He's powerful. Secondly, he's also, Jesus, the good shepherd, is the provider. Sheep are very restless. Has anyone tended sheep before? Be interesting. I was, I was wondering if maybe someone has. I certainly haven't. Maybe we know what they need, but these are four things that sheep need. Present, so they will actually be made or settled to lie down because sheep don't settle down easily. They do not, as this uh, shepherd has said in his book. Our psalm says this need that they have when it says there's, there's the provision needed and that they are restless. They need to be free from fear, free from friction with others, other sheep. They like fighting each other and biting each other. They're free of pests and they need to be free from hunger. Hmm, that sounds in, like interesting, maybe too close to home. The shepherd provides for all these types of fears in the meadows. 
Maybe the connection to us is biblically rooted as we are called sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. It's not an endearing term. A, very, a term that means there's a very high dependence evoked. The shepherds provides rest for actual sheep so that they will lie down because they won't otherwise. They'll just keep wandering around. And so for us as well, peace only in him. He helps us navigate hard relationships with us and life's pests, struggles, challenges, trauma. He provides our needs. Sheep won't lie down if they are hungry, and we struggle too when chasing the next meal or wealth and fame or likes on social media. I keep telling myself, I've got to put down this phone. I've got to stop worrying about what what other people are doing. I need to find rest. And part of that is getting out of that dopamine hit every time somebody likes something. The shepherd leads to resting places by quiet waters. When I say the word rest, breathe, we need rest, don't we? By quiet waters. That's the only place where they would rest as sheep, by the way. They would wander and eat and wander and eat. And when they would rest, they would have enough for their provision, usually by quiet waters. Sheep can go months without water because they can get it from the dew in the morning. But if the pastures aren't abundant, they languish from thirst due to dryness very quickly. And they'll get sick very quickly. And they won't rest when they're thirsty. This is an apt picture, isn't it, of the Christian life and how we grow and form into Jesus. As, what do we call Jesus? He's called the living water, providing beyond the physical needs as our hearts are so often in turmoil and anxiety and they need rest. Only he can truly provide, provide for the herd. The shepherd's presence in the herd ended all petty rivalry of the dominant sheep bullying others and then each asserting themselves in a pecking order. Doesn't that sound familiar of our world? How much more so our good shepherd providing for us with life's power struggles, challenges, and hurts as Jesus, our good shepherd, is powerful, a provider, and thirdly, patient. He restores my soul. One translator actually says This could be rendered, he causes me to repent. Well, how does that restore your soul? Well, it does, right? When we say, Lord, we're sorry, there's a restoration in relationship. So that's something interesting that may, is a nuance that sometimes it helps to know other translation uh, things. And and, and, uh, the background of this sermon is is, is from a person who did a lot of work on uh, and he was from the, the area of where they had shepherds. He knew a lot about, knows a lot about it. I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden. There is a huge need with so much that weighs us down, that turbulent inner life, that, that inner critic. Do you have an inner critic? You wake up and, and there's, there's all the things of the day come flooding in on you and saying, what are you doing and why did you do that? Maybe it happens uh, before you sleep. How many of you have trouble falling asleep? at times, more often. How many people, when you wake up, you have that noise going on more often? That's me. I have more, I I tend to fall asleep fairly well, uh, but then all of a sudden when I wake up in the morning, I think of all the things I should have said. But the good shepherd is patient with this. Our first screen time in the morning can start with the spiral. The new speeds of war, wealth, and comparison to others 
but he never leaves our side. There's a connection that can be made when knowing about sheep. Actually, in Psalm 42, verse 11, it says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul, or cast down? There's this interesting connection that was made by this scholar as it would evoke a sheep on its back. You've ever seen the, the, the sheep laying on their back? They can't do anything. That, that, there's actually a possible a nuance there that makes it interesting. He restores our soul, literally. He restores the sheep off their back. You've seen the comical sheep flipped over on the back and not able to get up, but it's no laughing matter for the shepherd. And why often they had to go search for that lost sheep. The one that Jesus talks about that he's looking for, it's probably in a valley somewhere, in a crevice, laying on their back, they would often be, be uh, in that position. Even more for me, knowing this, as the text of our good shepherd going after the sheep guides our work on campus. We work at the university, most of you know that, with Grace Finder. We want this for our students, their souls to be restored, their hearts to be restored. But how often do we need the same patient searching rescuer of our Savior for all our lives, no matter how far on the journey? When trauma happens, it takes us on dark paths, and we desperately need Jesus to restore us, our patient Savior, from being flat on our backs and not able to get up. Our souls, the mysterious, immaterial part of us, are restless until we find rest in Jesus. Have you heard that before, that statement? But what Augustine, the famous person, said, he doesn't say we have to face restless hearts our whole lives. Our hearts are restless till they find rest in Him, but we battle that restless heart our whole life, don't we? If you, if you don't, come and see me and tell me, because the, the, that's the struggle. But that's the Christian walk and the challenge, that every day we have to seek to trust Him. The older I get, the more thankful I am for the patient shepherd who restores my soul, puts me back on my feet, puts you back on your feet. He's powerful. He's the provider. He's patient. Maybe, kids, you've been counting peas. I didn't ask you that at the beginning, but that's one way to stay focused for a couple more minutes. I'm saying a lot of P words, aren't I? So there I'll say them again so that, you're, that you remember. Our shepherd is powerful, provider, and patient. And what do you think the fourth one is? Jesus, the good shepherd, is perfect. Perfect. He guides in paths of righteousness for his namesake, to live for the good of the world, for justice in his name. He's the perfect guide. He never makes a mistake. He never follows false paths. We can trust him. He doesn't lose the way for every aspect of life. I wake up lost many times, and I have to remember that my Savior is patient, is patient and perfect with me. He's perfect in the mundane and the day-to-day -day details that are there for us. In the small decisions that hardly are noticed. In the bigger decisions that close doors on other opportunities. Who we marry. If we remain unmarried like Jesus. What schools we go to. What jobs, children, dealing with the family of origin. Or mixed families. Or loss. Or aging parents. Or... I can keep going on a long time, can't I? Our own aging aches, 
our own bodies being so frail as we, as we hear the, all the prayer requests today. And I didn't bring mine up, but I've got aching elbows. It's a small one, but there's so many things that we have. And he also guides not just in the day-to-day like that. He guides in conflict. He promises to be with us there. He guides in pain. He guides in loneliness. He guides in heartache and is so reassuring. In the most challenging circumstances we all face, maybe the worst, the, the thing we will all face, death itself, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil because he's with us. Or circumstances that feel like death, that next verse shows that even in that valley, I will fear no evil. Now, sometimes when I hear that, I think, wow, that challenges me at how it sounds. He says it so, it seems like I'm reading it on the page, he says it so confidently. And, and there is a, a confidence we can have in that, but sometimes you're in the middle of it, you don't feel confident. I don't think David is flippantly saying this. I think he truly has faced many, many difficult circumstances. Read the scripture and all the things that happened in his family. I won't even name them all. When, when the issue happened with Bathsheba, he broke all 10 commandments in one moment. Think about every commandment, and he broke them all, just like that. David faced many hard circumstances. His son rebelled against him and tried to take over the kingship. And, and they think he likely wrote it when he was older. It's hard to imagine him having this much depth at, the, at this age, but it could be. There are, I mean, people have written amazing works as young people. But hearing this, what should we do next? Maybe it drives us to do to worship. Because it says, for you... You are with us. David can say it so confidently because who's with us? The powerful, providing, patient, perfect shepherd. As we know the shepherd, as the sheep know the shepherd, as we know him, we can, we can trust and rest in him. His rod fights off the enemy's darts. This rod, its staff is maybe a hook on one end and a, and a club on the other, or it's two, or whatever it is, they don't know for sure. Um, but th- this rod and staff, they comfort because the protection against the enemy's darts, against the actual enemies for a shepherd. The word means strength. They, that word comfort, comforte, he comforts us. If this sounds too easily said for those here in that valley, I can testify. He is with us. And scripture expands throughout how he walks with us. We know that beyond this psalm looking ahead, we're on that cross. Our Savior was forsaken like the scapegoat in the wilderness that they used to send out. Never to return from certain death. But Jesus does. We sang it today. He conquers death. That last enemy. With that reassurance, we can close with words to cling to. Jesus, the good shepherd, is present now and forever. He's present now. What a picture in the middle of danger for the sheep from the ground and the air and on all sides and weather. He prepares a table before them in the presence of enemies and us. That is how sure our shepherd is. Right there, he can soothe us with oil in the middle of life's struggles, the the, the things that come after us our own thoughts, our challenges in life, because he is present now 
and nothing can stop him. They have no power to stop him from giving the healing oil for life's wounds because he himself is Christos, the anointed one, the king who adopts us into his forever family. Surely goodness and mercy will follow. Chesed, if you can say that. Covenant loyalty, faithfulness, a very, very important word, will follow all the days of our lives. That word when it says will follow is a strong word. It says it will pursue you all the days of your life. Not just pursue like a sprinter running after the next person with the baton. Beautiful word there. And hold on to that in our, in our struggles all the days. Some days we battle to trust, maybe every day. But here it is plain. He never leaves or forsakes us. He says that in Deuteronomy and he says in Hebrews, he will not leave us. He will pursue us all the days of our lives, present now and always in hardship, triumphs, mourning and rejoicing and present forever. He won't jump off the ship at the end. He will stay always with us. As it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another beautiful Hebrew word. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? No heights, no depths, things present, things future, life, nor death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's truly, actually, the only story that never ends. C.S. Lewis says it so well, and if you've never read Narnia, The Last Battle, it doesn't even matter because these beautiful words, and if you have it, they'll mean even more as we close with this. Lewis says at the very end of the story, and for this, the end of all stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's our hope. With him forever, in glory, beauty, new heavens and new earth, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, there's no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Amen? Amen? The Lord Jesus is our good shepherd. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, bring this passage to mind many times this week, all our lives. Maybe we will memorize it. Maybe first thing in the morning we'll remember it and say it or read it or hear it on audio. Maybe we'll just ponder the fact that you are the good shepherd, that you're powerful, that you're present with us always, that you're patient, you provide, and you're, you're never going to leave us, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you. The greatest story is still coming. You know all our stories, all the pain, struggle, and triumphs and ups and downs but you aren't going to leave us and we as a community aren't going to leave each other because we're also called out as shepherds of others and caring for others because there's so many sheep that are wandering and we, we wander, Lord, already. Imagine the people in so much pain and struggle right now. 
And so we pray that you would help us, lead us as under-shepherds to show other people the way, the truth, and the life that's only found in you, our Lord Jesus. Praise your mighty name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.